Good morning, Veritas Church. How is everybody doing this morning? Good, good. Man, it is really good to be here. Uh, if I don't know you or I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Travis Fulp. I serve as the director of family life here. So just to, if you don't know what that means, I lead our kids ministry, Veritas Kids. I lead Veritas Youth and also help new folks get connected uh, and help people get connected with others here at Veritas. So it's really, really glad and exciting to be with you this morning. Um, if you're a guest with us today, welcome. We're, we're really glad you're here, whether this be your first time uh, or you're here with friends or family, uh, welcome. This is um, a place where we regularly say where it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. Um, we really uh, trust and believe that Jesus meets us where we're at right now uh, with his love and his grace, uh, and we believe that he changes us from the inside out through his life, death, and resurrection. So welcome uh, this morning. Uh, if you've got your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Psalm chapter 19. That is where we'll be hanging out uh, for the next few minutes. Psalm chapter 19, uh, we'll be looking specifically at verses 7 through 11. Uh, 7 through 11 is where we're going to be hanging out. Uh, I'll let you get there now. If you don't own a Bible or didn't come in with a Bible, uh, in that table in the back corner, we have a couple of, uh, plenty of uh, black hardback Bibles. We would love for you to take that thing with you. Uh, that is our gift to you if you do not own a Bible. Make sure you don't leave here today without it. Um, well, with it being the new year, we're, we're finally made it to 2022 after two years of just crap. Um, I can imagine many of you have spent some time coming into the end of the year thinking through things in your life that maybe you want to do differently, things maybe you want to change, or even some new habits that you want to start new for the first time. Um, and that's normal for us. We as a people and as a society, we love clean slates. We love starting things fresh and new and, and having this sense of like, here's this thing that I'm going to go tackle and my year is going to go great. And so maybe some of you coming in here this morning have thought to yourselves, hey, this is the year that I'm really going to commit to reading my Bible more or reading my Bible better. This is the year that I'm going to really prioritize reading my Bible. And so maybe that conversation for you has gone something like this. Hey, I'm going to go ahead and, and set my alarm early every morning to wake up, or I'm going to set aside a, a specific uh, set of time during my day to read the Bible, study it, to, to meet God through the Word. Uh, you said, I'm going, to, I'm going to read a plan. I'm going to stick to a Bible reading plan just to give you some tracks to run on as you read your Bible. And you've told yourself, hey, this is the year that I'm going to take Bible reading seriously. Um, or maybe you're like me. Uh, if you're someone who has, has started and stopped and tried to read your Bible, maybe you're like me when it comes to reading uh, your Bible. On the days you do read, I know for me, when I wake up early and I read my Bible and I spend time with God in His Word, I feel better about myself that day. Um, I, feel, I feel like I'm, I could tackle the day. I could do anything. I feel closer to God. I almost feel like God gives me this cosmic pat on the back like, you're good to go today, bud. I, I approve of you more today. And then on the days where I don't read or I forget to read or just to be quite honest, I don't want to read or the stretches where I just ignore Bible reading altogether, I feel worse about myself. I'm usually uh, less patient and more grumpy um, and I feel further away from God and I almost get this sense that God's looking down on me with a scowl on his face. Uh, but the good news for us, um, hopefully we'll see today, regardless of whether we read our Bibles or not, God won't love us more if we read our Bibles perfectly or love us less if we don't. Um, what we'll find that if we commit to reading God's Word, that we'll actually grow in love for God. So as we come to Psalm 19, uh, that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, we're going to look at what the Bible is, 
and what the Bible has to offer us. Ultimately, what I hope we leave here today with is that true life is found in knowing God through his word. Um, I'm going to pray one more time for us. Uh, I need all the help I can get. Um, and, and we'll read verses 7 through 11 together. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your life, death, and resurrection. Father God, thank you for the word that you've given to us. Thank you for revealing yourself in and through it. Thank you for uh, what you do through your word, what you give us when we come to it. Uh, for those here today that need to hear the good news of the gospel and have their hearts open for the first time, I pray you would open their hearts. God, I pray for those that uh, love and follow you, that you would just grow them with more desire and hunger for you today. Uh, it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. Follow along with me. Uh, they'll come up on the screen as well. They read like this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned in keeping them. There is great reward. So before we dive into these verses specifically one at a time, um, I just want to point out, uh, and you may have noticed it already, uh, but in these verses we're, we see six different statements about what God's Word is and what it offers us. Those are going to come up on the screen for us. Uh, six statements showing us what God's Word is and what it has to offer us. Now as we read that passage, um, I'm sure some words jumped out to you such as the law of the Lord You've got testimony, you've got precepts, we've got commandments and rules. And for many of you here, when you see those words, your ears perk up and you think of things in the Bible like the Ten Commandments. You know, we, we get that, those tablets that Moses brought down the mountain. Or maybe some of you think about the book of Leviticus where all Bible reading plans go to die. Um, or maybe if you're not a follower of Jesus here, when you see law and, and rules and precepts, you think, man, the Bible's just full of a bunch of rules that I have to keep to make God happy with me and get them off my back. And while, yes, there are laws and commands in God's Word that He's given to us to reveal who He is and how we should live in light of that, the Bible's not primarily a rule book. When we come to the Bible, we find from start to finish that it's primarily a story. It's a story about God, written by God, given to us to reveal and to open our eyes to see who God really is. So it's in that context as we uh, walk through these verses together that I want you guys to think. I want you to, um, for a minute, just put aside the, the, the Ten Commandments or Leviticus and think about the story of the Bible. That's what we're going to be referring to when we talk about God's Word. So let's dive in together. We'll read verse 7. Uh, the first part reads like this. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The God of the Bible is perfect in every way, so it makes sense that his word too is also perfect. There's no fault or falsehood found in it. It's perfect in all that it reveals and teaches us about who God is. And it's that way simply because God authored the Bible. Being perfect, we see and find 
that it revives the soul. Another way we could say this or translate it is that uh, the perfection of the Bible converts the soul. When we read and study our Bible, uh, it exposes us and it converts our sinful souls. We find life in conversion when we come to the Bible. That's our biggest problem in life for each of us, our sin and separation from God. God's Word reveals to us His holy standard and how we fall woefully short of that. But the good news is that God's perfection is not tarnished by our sinful state. When we come to the Bible, we find that God isn't turned off by our sin or that He can't stand the presence of sin. It's that sin can't stand the presence of God. When we come to God's Word, we'll find that our sin is exposed. Our sin is brought to light. And the more we spend in God's Word, we'll receive more life. Hebrews 4.12 echoes this later in the New Testament when it says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is good news for us this morning. Because when we come to the Bible, we'll find that it's the healing balm that our souls need. We don't come to a Bible that gives us a list of do-betters and try-harders and clean yourself up before you come to me. No, it's God telling us through His story how He's lavished all love and grace on us through His Son, Jesus. The Word of God is living and active and it cuts away the sin in us and it ultimately shows us the path to life. God's Word gives us the revival that our dead hearts need. We continue in verse 7. Look back with me. It says, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. God's Word is sure, and that simply means that it's reliable and certain. We can count on God's Word to give us what it promises. We can count on God's Word to not let us down or lead us astray. We can be confident in its perfection and ability to convert us. Because it is sure, we're told that it makes the simple wise. When we devote ourselves to reading and meeting God in and through His Word, we'll learn the path and the source of true wisdom. God, God is all wise. God is all wise. So when we come to His Word, we'll receive the wisdom that He gives. Question for each of you here. How many of you are like me? And if you want to raise your hand, great. Um, but how many of you are like me? When you come to the Bible, you wish that it had specific answers to those unanswerable questions in your life. Anybody? Anybody you wish you could open it up? How many of you have ever played like magic eight ball with your Bible, opening it up at random, hoping it just plops down on that silver bullet verse or, or passage to tell you exactly what to do in a specific situation? That's, that's usually what I do. Um, the Bible does give us clear answers and some wise rules to live by. We have the Ten Commandments. It tells us not to murder. It tells us not to steal, not to covet your neighbor's stuff, not to cheat on your wife. That's pretty wise stuff. It'll go well with you if you don't do those things. Um, we certainly have wisdom literature like the Proverbs that kind of show us the way of the fool and the way of the wise. But it doesn't give us specific answers to pressing questions we face. So for some of you in the room, it's like, Hey, God, should I stay in the army or should I get out? Or hey, even better, should I take a job at a different duty station? Or should I take a job in a different unit? It doesn't give us the answer to the question for those of you that are in high school here. Hey, what college should I go to? Or if marriage is the path you're, you're looking for, who should I marry? 
Or even should I stay single for the rest of my life? It doesn't give us those specific answers. But we'll find when we come to God's Word, we study it and we read it, we'll learn pretty quickly that God's in control of all things. God is sovereign over every situation we face in life. When we read God's Word and we meet Him there, we'll begin to trust God with all of the uncertain things in our lives. We'll grow in wisdom and understanding of how to navigate those unanswerable situations. The Holy Spirit will begin to write true wisdom on our hearts the more we devote to meeting God in and through His Word. This is good news for us today because we live in a world that's littered with shaky self-help and wisdom from within, all right? And this is good news because when we come to God's Word, we'll begin to make wise decisions informed by the wisdom of God and informed by God's Word. So instead of not having a clue how to answer those questions or even making the wrong decision, we'll begin to ask questions about those specific situations with questions like, does this or does this not honor God, this thing that I want to do or this thing that I'm pursuing? Will this or will this not bring me closer to God or will this take me further away from Him? We'll begin to ask questions of those situations like, does this help me love and care for others and tell people about Jesus the way God's called me to? When we come to God's Word, we learn that it's reliable and it's sure to make us wise. Look at verse 8 with me. It tells us that the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. God's precepts are right. Uh, one commentator put it this way. God's precepts are morally right, practically right, and universally right. So when we come to God's word, we're not getting one right way on a highway full of right ways. We're getting the only right way. And this is good news because if God's word and way is perfectly right, then we know exactly who he calls us to be. We can know and trust that through the Bible, we'll find the path to knowing God rightly and fully. And we're told that this rejoices our hearts. Apart from God, our hearts are restless and anxious. We're missing the one thing that can bring us true joy. It's through God's word we can experience true joy in knowing God and who he's called us to be. We can delight in the story of the Bible, not as God saying, hey, if you just do these things, then I'll love you. When we come to the story of the Bible, we see that God says, trust me, trust me, follow me, and I'll lavish you with all love, and you'll experience my life and my joy, and you'll be mine. Not only are God's precepts right, but in verse 8, we also see that the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. God himself is pure without spot or blemish, and so God's word is the same. God cannot and does not lead his people into sin and darkness. He only leads us into light. The Bible, when we come to it, when we read it, when we study it, when we meditate on it, when we know it, we'll find that we meet God rightly on his terms and in his words. The purity of God's word gives us light to see in a dark world. If you were to read about 100 psalms later, David's going to echo this same thing in Psalm 119 where he says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. As sinners, we dwell in darkness. We are utterly blind to life and light. But it's through God's word when we come to it, when we, 
we open ourselves to what God has for us in his word, that our eyes are open, the darkness falls away and we're able to see the way in front of us. We're able to see how to relate to God. We're able to see how to relate with one another. We'll begin to, to view ourselves rightly, uh, rightly before God and then we'll begin to also behold the majesty and the beauty and the sweetness and the goodness and the glory of God. God's word is pure, opens our eyes to see. Look at verse 9 where it says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. It's through reading the Bible. It's through coming to the word, opening it up, actually reading the word that we know who God is. And it, it doesn't take long. You can get a couple pages into the Bible. Literally, we walked through this this past year in Genesis when we started um, Genesis. It took like two chapters to get in to realize how bad we really are. All right? We, we, we're not good folks. And so it's through the Bible we begin to say who God is and who we are. And spoiler alert, he's everything we're not. He's everything we're not. God is transcendent and incomparable. He's all-knowing, all-wise, all-loving, all-patient, all-kind, all-powerful. I keep going with the alls. He's holy. He's perfect. We've seen already that he's pure. He's blameless. He's spotless. He dwells in unapproachable light. God is the uncreated creator who has always existed. He always is and always will be. He was here before us and he'll be here after us. That's who God is. That's who the God of the Bible is. That's what we learn when we come to God's word. And it's through reading our Bibles that we grow in a healthy fear of the Lord. And what David is talking about here, the fear of the Lord, it's one that realizes who God is and who we are in relation to him and then humbling ourselves before him in reverence and submission. It's removing ourselves from the throne of our lives and allowing God to be the rightful king we were never meant to be. And we're told, David tells us that this fear is clean when we fear God this way, it cleanses us and washes away all sin and impurity. And like God, it endures forever. It's eternal. When we submit to God in this way, as King and Lord over us, we find eternal life. When we stop trying to contend with God for control over our lives and allow Him the rightful place as King over us, we'll find eternal peace. It's through the story of the Bible that we find this. Verse 9 also tells us that the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Almost as a summary, this is, could sum up the, the verses we've read to this point. David's saying, God's word from start to finish, from beginning to end, and all that it teaches and reveals is true and righteous altogether. Uh, commentator David Guzik, he summarizes it this way, better than I could, I could have given you. Uh, he says, there is no applied aspect to this statement as in the previous five. For David, it was enough to simply say it, true and righteous altogether. Perhaps David assumed we would be wise and logical enough to apply it to ourselves. Therefore, read it, study it, meditate on it, love it, and live it. Uh, so at the end of or, uh, December 31st, 2019, um, I finished reading the Bible for the first time from cover to cover. Um, at the beginning of 2016, myself, along with uh, the rest of Veritas, we set out to read the Bible in its entirety uh, through the Veritas Bible reading plan. And so this would be a plan that took us through 
uh, the Old Testament and the Psalms once over a three-year span, and then through the New Testament twice each year. Um, And so prior to doing this plan, I'd never read the Bible with a reading plan. I'd never read it cover to cover. Again, I just, I kind of gave away my Bible reading habits. I was like, oh, let's see where we're going to be at today and hope it sticks. Um, So I'd never, I I knew Bible reading as a follower of Jesus was something I should do, but I never had the discipline to do it. Uh, And ultimately that just left me feeling guilt and shame over not reading the Bible. Um, In fact, when we started the plan, uh, we were told that if we stuck to the plan or not, if we made it to the end or not, if we read our Bibles perfectly or not, God would not love us more if we did that or love us less even if we just said, forget this, I'm going to do my own thing. Um, we found that we were told that we would find as we read the Bible that, God, or that we would love God more. We would grow in our love and affection for God. And maybe there's some of you here that need to hear this today. Your Bible reading habits, whether you do it good, you don't do it so good whether you get up every day and read it before the rooster crows and have your quiet time in the closet, or you just say, I don't need the Bible. I'm not going to read it. Your Bible reading habits have no bearing on your standing before God. Do not. That's the good news for us there. But over the course of three years, as I began to read the Bible, as I began to meet God and allow him uh, to show me who he is through the Bible, as I began to see exactly who he is, I began to Realize his character, his nature, who he is, who he's always been. I began to see who I am. I, I'm not so hot, I thought, or I found. I'm not, not as hot as I thought I was. Um, I began to see how ugly my heart was, how sinful I really am. The more I read the story of the Bible, I saw how God responds to sin and what he's done about sin. Over those three years, I began to delight in the story of the Bible. My heart began to change. Things that I once struggled with lost their power and their hold over me. When I made it to the end of 2019, December 31st, I dubbed it my BCD, Bible Completion Date. And when I made it to that date, I was able to say, man, this God that I serve, this this word who's this about, it's, it's better than anything else I could have in life. I began to see that devoting myself daily, weekly, yearly, over and over and over again is the most valuable thing I could do with my time. That's what David's telling us in verse 10. Look back there with me. David says, More to be desired are they than gold. More to be desired are your laws, your precepts, your commands, your rules, your testimony. God, more to be desired are your words than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. David's saying that when we devote ourselves to meeting and knowing God through his word, when we read it, when we actually read the Bible, we'll realize that it's better, it's more desirable than any promotion we could ever earn. We'll realize it's more valuable than any monetary possession we could have in our bank accounts. We'll realize that God's word, that his ways, that he is sweeter than any status we could ever attain. When we allow our hearts and minds to soak in Scripture, we'll be changed from the inside out. And like David, we can say, God, I desire your ways, your laws, your rules, your precepts, and your commands more than life itself. Not only is God's word more valuable than gold and sweeter than honey, we also are told uh, we're given a warning and we're given a reward when we come to God's word. Look at verse 11. 
Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them, there is great reward. God's, God's word warns us what happens to those who don't trust and obey God. There's two types of people in the Bible. If you read it this year, you're going to find two types of people, the righteous and the wicked. The righteous are those who trust God and delight in obedience to him. And the wicked are those who scoff at God, turn their backs on him and say, I don't need you, God. I got it figured out myself and do whatever they please. Okay? The righteous and the wicked. So when we come to the word, we see what the warning is for the wicked. We see that the wicked that turn their backs on God, forget him and do whatever they please. The warning that they receive is death and eternal separation from God. That's what the warning is for the wicked. And then we've got the righteous. The reward that the righteous are told about is eternal life. Those who trust in faith in God will receive eternal life. They'll know and be known by God fully and they'll experience life. So that's what David is telling us here at the end of uh, verse 11. That it's through reading and committing ourselves to God's word that we find the path to life and the path to death. And that's a choice for all of us. And wouldn't it be nice if we could just tie a bow on it there, tell you guys to pat you on the back and tell you to go out of here and read your Bibles this, this year so you can love God, love people, and advance the gospel? Wouldn't it be nice if, that, if, that, if it were that easy? It'd be so, I wish it was that easy for me. Um, when we come to God's word, even though this morning we've seen what it is and what it has to offer us, there's still something in us that needs to change. Me, Jacob, Ryan, whoever else gets up here and preaches, there's no amount of go read your Bibles better this year sermons that we could give you that could change your heart. See, the bad news is that we don't want to be revived. We don't want to be made wise. We don't want to experience true joy. We don't want to find life and light and love. We don't want to see the way before us, at least not the way that Psalm 19 tells us those things are found. We think we can accomplish those things apart from God. And that's exactly what our first parents did. They turned their backs on God. They spurned his love and said, I don't need you. I can figure this out on my own. And they looked to themselves to determine what was right for them. But before they realized that it was too late, sin and death had already entered into the world and they were separated from God. And we too, like them, are separated from God. We are marred by sin and we too, like them, will experience the punishment for sin, and that's death. Everyone in this room will one day face the consequence and punishment for sin. We are the wicked that the Bible talks about. And God, being holy and righteous and pure, without spot or blemish, has every right to leave us in that condition. That's not what he did. No. The story of the Bible... It's not just a factual account of human history and how God's been putting up with sinners for all time. The story of the Bible is about God himself entering into the story to make right what we made wrong. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, I'm not going to ask you to flip there. It should come up on the screen. We find, John tells us at the beginning of the Gospel of John, that God's word is not just words on a page, that he's a person. I'm going to read uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. They read like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, 
And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So when we come to the beginning of John, John's telling us that, hey, the word of God, he was in the beginning with God, he is God, okay? He was active in creation when God spoke all things into existence. All things find life and light through the word. The darkness is illuminated through the word. And we're told that the darkness has not overcome it. And then if you scan down a few more verses in verse 14, we get, we get the big reveal that in Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word of God, God himself, the second person of the Trinity is Jesus. Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus entered into the story that he was telling. The story of the Bible is about Jesus. The words we read in our Bibles are pointing to the word. When we open our Bibles, we come to a story that finds its fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus. Jesus is the only one who obeyed God perfectly in our place. The Bible tells us about God staying his wrath on us and putting it on Jesus at the cross. Jesus absorbed God's wrath for us on the cross. The Bible shows us Jesus' power and victory over sin and death when he rose from the grave, when he literally walked out of the empty tomb. When we come to the Bible, we'll receive life and light and joy and love when we believe and we know and we trust in the one whom it's all about, Jesus. If we were to reread Psalm 19 and put Jesus in there, we'd say, Jesus is the perfect word that revives the soul. Jesus is the sure testimony of God that makes us wise. Jesus is the one who truly rejoices our hearts. Jesus is the pure word who brings light to our eyes. Jesus is the only one who feared God rightly so we could live forever. Jesus is true and righteous altogether. Jesus is more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter is Jesus' life, death, and resurrection than honey, even the drippings of the honeycomb. It's by Jesus we're warned what happens to those who reject him. And it's through knowing Jesus and trusting in him that we receive a great and eternal reward. The question we have to ask ourselves is, what do we do with this? How do we read our Bibles in 2022 to experience what Psalm 19 says it brings? First, we've got to read our Bibles to see Jesus. We have to beg God Ask the Holy Spirit to help us see Jesus on every page. It's possible to read the Bible and not see Jesus. You could devote your entire life to reading the Bible. There are scholars, there are people at universities that spent their entire lives reading the Bible and they don't think Jesus is who he says he is. It's possible to miss the point. Jesus said it himself. When we come to the Bible, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us see Jesus. Love how the Jesus Storybook Bible tells that we, we promote this Bible free of charge. This Jesus Storybook Bible is a kid's Bible. That's one of the most helpful resources for young kids. But when they talk about the story of the Bible, they say every story whispers his name. Ask Jesus, or ask the Holy Spirit as you read. Open your eyes and see Jesus from start to finish. I promise you, if you read your Bibles this way, you'll grow to love Jesus and he'll change you. You'll meet the risen Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus here and Bible reading is like I've described it, been something of a slog for you. You're weighed down with guilt and shame because you know it's one of those spiritual disciplines you should be doing 
And every time you hear a sermon about, oh, you need to read your Bible more, you feel guilty and you feel shame. You just have no desire. I just want to just ask you to ask God to give you a desire to read his word. I don't care if you don't like to read. I don't care if you don't like opening books. You know, there's a million ways to consume the Bible. You can listen to it. Have somebody else read it to you. Um, ask God to give you a desire to read his word. Beg him to do that. That's not just a one-time Hail Mary, throw it up, hope, let's see what happens, see if, it, see if he gives it to me. That's a daily, daily prayer. Every time you come to the Bible, say, God, give me a desire to want to read, want to meet you in my word. Ask God to give you that desire. Next, if Bible reading has been something that's been a slog for you, I would say have a plan. The Bible's big and it's daunting and it can be a challenge to read. It's, it's written over a, a, a large span of time. It's got 66 books. It's written by a bunch of different folks not written in the context or in the world we live in. So it's hard to read. I would recommend having a plan. Uh, we've got our Veritas Bible reading plan. You came in this morning. It was on your seat right here, the one I talked about. We would love for you to read the Bible with us. Um, if you've been here any length of time, you know we really care about the Bible. Um, so the best way to meet Jesus is to actually meet him in the story of the Bible. And so uh, it's a pretty simple plan. If you're like, ah, it's probably difficult. I probably got to read nine different chapters a day. You don't. Um, uh, just to be honest with you, it's one Old Testament passage and one New Testament passage Monday through Friday. Pretty simple, right? I'm sure you could find 10 minutes to do that. And then you have one Psalm on Saturday. And guess what? On Sunday, you get to come to church and take a day off and hear somebody else read the Bible to you. Um, it's a simple plan. Jump in with us. It's easy. Bible reading is not as difficult as we make it out to be. So I would say have a plan. Join with us. Um, we're starting year two of our reading plan. Don't worry about if you didn't, you didn't read with us last year. Jump in. We would love for you to read the Bible with us. Um, have a plan to read the Bible. Um, finally, follower of Jesus here. Read the Bible with someone else. Read it with someone else. Jesus died uh, to start this new family called the church. He didn't call us to, be, uh, to follow him alone. He didn't call us to follow him by ourselves. He called us to follow him together. If you read the Bible, you'll find it's got a lot of one another's and togethers. Read the Bible with someone else. Ask someone in your community group. Ask a friend. Ask that coworker that you, you know loves Jesus too. Ask him to read the Bible with you. Ask your spouse, if you're married here, ask your spouse, husband, or wife to read the Bible with you. I promise if you read the Bible with someone else, it'll, it'll be easier. You'll, you'll grow to love Jesus. Help each other see Jesus as you read. Ask questions of the text of how does this point us to Jesus or where do you see Jesus here? Help one another read the Bible together. Follower of Jesus here that has experienced what David is talking about in Psalm 19. That'd be you who has experienced the sweetness of God's word, cherishes God's word and, and Jesus who you meet there regularly. Follower of Jesus that commits to reading the Bible year in and year out. Invite those that have difficulty reading the Bible uh, invite them into your Bible reading time. Show them the sweetness and the goodness that you found in committing yourself to God's Word. Help them to see Jesus as they read. Share your habits with them. Also, invite those that don't know Jesus into your Bible reading time. Uh, I can't remember where I heard this. It was either a survey or a study, but um, of those that don't know and follow Jesus, they said they would read the Bible simply if one of their Christian friends asked them. They had no problem reading the Bible. They would read it as long as they were asked. Follow of Jesus here that loves your Bible. Invite 
those friends of yours that don't know Jesus, to read the Bible with you. What better way? You don't have to come up with a Romans Road 12-step, here's the gospel. Just show them Jesus in the Bible. It's right there. Invite them to read the Bible with you. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus here, and you think the Bible is just an outdated, irrelevant book that has no bearing on your life. Maybe you um, think that Jesus really was a guy that lived, but he was just a good teacher, kind of like Gandhi, kind of like Muhammad, all those other guys, but he wasn't really God. He's not who the Bible claims to be. I want to challenge you to read the Bible for yourself if you've never read it before. Jump in with us in the Bible reading plan. I want to invite you into that. If that seems too daunting to read the entire Bible, go to the book of John, the Gospel of John. It'll tell you everything you need to know about Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus here, read the Bible. I want to challenge you to do that. Meet Jesus in his word and make a decision for yourself on who he is or isn't after you've met him there. Don't make a decision if you've never read about him. That'd be like me saying, oh, that guy, that guy in my office that I don't know, he's a, he's a jerk and he's a, he's a tool, but I've never had a conversation with him and I've never met him. That's, that's kind of a brave assumption. But then I get to know him and I get to meet him and he's actually a cool dude and I want to hang out with him. Make a decision about Jesus after you've read about him in the word who it's about. Church, true life is found in knowing God through his word, Jesus when we commit ourselves and come to the Bible, we can know and love and cherish Jesus in the story of the Bible. When we devote ourselves to God's Word, we'll grow more and more like Jesus. Our hearts will be open and we'll see that the story of the Bible is the best story that's ever been told. When we come to the Bible, our hearts will be exposed, our sin will be laid bare, and we'll meet Jesus, the only one who's able to make it new. Let me pray for us as the band comes up. Jesus, thank you for fulfilling this word. You tell us that the law and the prophets point to you. They're about you. The story that we find isn't just some fable or fairy tale. God, you're not after us to perform and do better and try harder like all the other religions in the world. You're calling us to trust in you from start to finish. You're calling us to trust in Jesus, the only one who lived perfectly for us when we couldn't. The only one who could take and handle the wrath of God and die in our place. The only one who could walk out of the grave showing powerful over sin and death. God, I pray that this word that's been sent forth today through the gospel and through the gathering time um, would poke and prick hearts. Holy Spirit, as we come to response, I pray that the hearts that need to hear this and be open would be open. How do we know that when the gospel goes forth, it cuts hearts. Your word opens our hearts and lays them bare before you. Pray there'd be people here that respond in faith for the first time even. Pray that the followers of Jesus here that know and love you, that are struggling and, and are weary and tired, they would find rest and joy, peace. Thank you for this time together as a church. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.